Uh, y'all, that is one of my favorite songs that uh, you two sang. I remember when I was in a, I was a freshman in college. It was uh, in 1987. I went to see, let's see, you two. Maybe I was a sophomore. Anyway, doesn't matter. I went to Atlanta, Georgia, to see the Joshua Tree concert. And one of my favorite songs that they sing is "Where the Streets Have No Name." Now, there's an interesting story behind that song, and and Bono grew up in Northern Ireland. And when he wrote the song, he said that he was thinking about his home, and he said that you could tell where, uh, where somebody, you know, where they were financially, what their religion was, based on the street where they lived. And he said, I, and so he wrote the song saying, I'm looking forward to a day where the streets have no name. You know, where everybody's going to be seen as equal, when everybody's on equal ground. And interestingly enough, that just sort of falls right in line with what the Bible teaches us. You see, I believe there's, there's so many of us, when we think about a relationship with God, we think so much of the time that it's performance-based and it's the relationships that we have and all those different things that really impress God. But the Bible teaches us that there's going to be a day when we're going to stand before God and the streets aren't going to have any name. And God's going to look at us and He's going to see us as being on equal standing with everybody else. And so that brings me to the scripture that we're going to examine today. And if you have your Bible, you can look with me. We're going to look in Galatians chapter 3 and verses 26 and following in just a few moments. So Galatians 3 verse 26. And as you turn there, I'll give you a little background information about who wrote this book. It was a guy named Paul. And Paul wrote this book to a church that he'd worked with and that he helped start in an area that is now modern day Turkey. And Paul did a great work there, but when he left, there were some new guys that came in and started teaching some things that did not go with what Scripture taught. And what they began to teach is they began to tell people, listen, if you really want to connect with God, if you really want to be accepted by God, then there's a lot of things that you have to do. There's a a lot of performance kind of things that you have to do to impress God. And so the idea was if you didn't do enough stuff, then you weren't going to be loved by God as much. And so Paul, Paul wrote this text right here to refute this because it, it, it aggravated him. And he wanted people to know it's not your performance, it's not where you live, it's not how much money you make that puts you in a good standing with God. He said, what puts you in a good standing with God, and this is still true today, it is the grace of God. The only reason we have any chance... To be in God's good in good standing with God is because of the grace that He offers us. Now, the unfortunate thing is, very few of us and very few people then bought into this idea, because we still struggle with the idea that if God's going to love us, if anybody's going to love us, we got to perform well. Now, what did Paul have to say about this kind of teaching? Well, in Galatians one six and seven, he said, "I'm astonished." that you are so quickly deserting the gospel of the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. He said, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul wanted these people to see, and he desires for us to see, what the message of Jesus brings into our lives. What does Jesus' message bring to us? And I'm going to share with you today just a few things. One one thing it brings is it brings freedom to us. The message of Jesus will bring freedom into your life. And one thing that it offers you is it offers you freedom from racial, economic, and gender barriers. 
You know, if you want to talk about the gospel being cutting edge, you know, way before, you know, the civil rights movement, and we got, we got Jesus speaking about civil rights right here. Now, I want to read you verses 26 through 29 in chapter 3. This is what it says. It says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And here's a, a very astounding verse for these times. He says, There's neither Jew nor Greek. Slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, like I just said a while ago, there were some teachers that followed Paul into this region, and they said, if you're, if you're going to impress God, there's stuff you've got to do. If you're going to be accepted by God, there are certain, there's like certain rules and regulations that you have to follow so that God will look down on you and be impressed. And what they were teaching is that you had to go back to the Old Testament and follow the Old Testament law. In particular, like the Ten Commandments. Y'all are familiar with that, of course, the Ten Commandments, which are still important to us today. Uh, most of the laws that we have today are based off of the Ten Commandments. Now, the people writing, or the people that were talking to the, the church in Galatia, were telling them, if you're going to be accepted by God, you've got to follow the law of God perfectly. Now, that sounds good, but here's the problem. None of us are able to follow the law of God perfectly. It is in our nature to be disobedient to authority. Now, have, have you all discovered that in your own life? I mean, isn't that when people tell you what to do, and they just sort of get in your face and tell you what you're supposed to do, is your first inclination, because I know it's Emily's, her first inclination is to rebel, right? I mean, when people tell us what to do, we just want to say, you know what, just because you're telling me that, I ain't going to do it. It is in our nature to rebel against God. Now, the people being written to, they were mainly were, were Jewish Christians, and they thought, well, we're in good standing with God because we're special people. You know, the Bible tells us, that verse I just read, that they were the heirs of Abraham. You know, they, were, they, had, they had good stock. You know, they were related to the very first man that was called to be a follower or a leader of God's people, Abraham. But Paul wanted them to know, he said, you're not the only special people around here. He said, in the eyes of God, we are all special. I get this from 2 Peter 3.9. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now, what's astounding to me about the message of Jesus is to know that we can belong to Jesus, not because of what we do, but because of the grace of God. And the verses I just read, especially in verse number 28, it lets me know that God doesn't care what your economic status is, doesn't care if you're a man or a woman, doesn't care what color you are, where you're from. God chooses to love you, and he lets us know that his door to freedom is open to all people. Now, this is a really important teaching because the fact is we all want to belong to something. You know, I really, I really believe this. I believe most people have a desire to belong and be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. 
Now, some of you might say, well, I'm a pretty independent person. I don't need anybody. I like, you know, I'm like a hermit, and I can just survive on my own. And maybe there's some of you out there like that. But just in general with the world, man, we're all looking to belong to something. I mean, I know that whenever I was in college, there were a lot of people who came, came to college, and they wanted to be a part of, you know, like the Greek system in college, being a fraternity or sorority. And then when they get out of college, they want to be a part of a very successful business. And if you're an athlete, you want to be a part of championship teams. Now, in and of themselves, I really don't think there's anything wrong with any of those things. But if you are looking for those things to make you right with God, to, to give you fulfillment in your life, I mean, I've got to let you know that you're going to end up, being, uh, or end up barking up the wrong tree. See, for a lot of us, those things, belonging to some of those things aren't going to be possible. As far as being on championship teams, you know, I, I know that I, I always thought it would be really cool if I could be like on the World Series team or a Super Bowl championship team. But you know what? I've discovered it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, it's, it's not going to happen for me. Some of you say, you know, I'd like to be a part of a Forbes 500 company. But for many of you, it's not going to happen. For others of you, there are certain clubs you'd like to be a part of. But maybe you just don't qualify for, for some strange reason. But here's what's interesting to me. We all have the opportunity to be a part of the greatest group that there is, and that is the family of God. You know, I've known, or I know of through history that there were kings and there were slaves who've been a part of God's family. And with God, again, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. If you're rich or poor, you have the opportunity. And Paul had to remind the Galatians that when you step into a relationship with Jesus, that he knocks down all the barriers that we set up that stand between us and God and that even stand between us and other people. See, I really believe that in our, in our world today, there is a crying out to belong. We all want to belong. The question is, what do you want to belong to? You know, we, we try to belong to, to so many different things, but the things of this world, if we try to belong to the things of this world, it doesn't satisfy. Because the things of this world, as we said last week, things of this world are finite. Things of this world don't last forever. So whatever you're going to belong to, you want to make sure that the source of what you belong to can feed you forever, can give you strength. Let me give you an example. I, I love, I, I love history. I love, you know, I was, I, when I was in college, I remember I had to stay up uh, one, one summer through college, and I, I had to work and go to, I had to go to summer school. I, I took math. I put it off until my senior year. So I said, I'll just step here and take math. And uh, I had no roommates. I was all by myself. Emily was gone. And so I just, I love, I, lo- I like old movies. Now, I like cool movies, but I like old movies too. And I got, uh, you know, there's some of those classics, like, I've got Dr. Zhivago. Now, I'm not going to say that you need to watch that. It's like a 19-hour movie, and it's, it's okay. It's not that great. But then I, I Lawrence of Arabia. Um, I don't know if you all ever watched that movie. I know you're thinking, this guy's a goob. And I am, but that's a good movie. And so Lawrence of Arabia was a, he was a British soldier and scholar. And he, he befriended, he befriended the, a bunch of Arab tribes. And after World War I was over, the Arab tribes asked him to come with them to Paris when they signed the peace treaty. And so he went with them. And, and remember, that the, the Arab tribes, they were, they were like, I guess, like Bedouins. They, they lived in tents. They didn't have modern appliances or anything. It was, just, it was rough living. And they go to this hotel, and they're just stunned by it. And they walk in. It's opulent. 
And uh, they go to their bedrooms, and the thing that amazed them more than anything else, other than, you know, like food on demand, and, uh, you know, I, I don't guess I had air conditioning, but just uh, had shelter, sturdy, uh, steady and sturdy shelter, was the bathtub. They were absolutely blown away by it because what they discovered is when they turned the handle, water came out. Now, if you remember, they're from the desert, you know, Arabia. Water is a precious commodity, and it blew them away that if they just simply turned a handle, water came out. And they said, we've got to have this. And so Lawrence noticed that when they're getting ready to leave, they had absolutely destroyed their bathrooms. All the faucets and spigots were gone. They took them off, and they packed them in their suitcases because their idea was, they said, these, and he said, what are you all doing? They said, these faucets are magic. They said, you just simply turn a handle and water comes out. We're going to change Saudi Arabia. Well, he had to break the news to them and let them know it wasn't that they were magic. It's that they were connected to pipes. The pipes ultimately were connected to a water source. Now, I tell the story because I, I really believe that there's a lot of us in, in this world. We are looking for connection and belonging with things that are not ultimately connected to the life-giving source of Jesus. And we look, for, we look for money and we look for status and all these different things to give us hope and fulfillment in life. And yet what Paul is letting us know, he said, listen, the only one who is, who is able to provide these things for you is Jesus. And so the question for you is, are you plugged in to the source of all life? Because if you are, it doesn't matter what your race is, what your economics are, what your gender is. God gives you freedom. That's the first thing the message of Jesus brings to us. It brings us freedom, freedom from all these barriers. But next, the message of Jesus, it brings us freedom from rules and regulation. And I, you know, I really like this one. The me- and this is interesting. The message of Jesus brings us freedom from rules and regulations. Um, in verses 3 and 4, it says, So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, when people typically think of religion, one of the first things they think of are rules and regulations. And you know what? Rules and, regu- I, I, rules and regulations have never been attractive to me. And, uh, it, you know, I mean, not that I'm a, a, I never was, like, crazy or wild or anything like that, but I just never, I always saw rules and regulations for other people, you know, not for me. And I just never enjoyed that, and I always felt stifled by it. And so when people talked about faith or a relationship with God, and they started talking about rules and regulations, man, it was just an absolute turnoff to me. And, 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 it's, and, and whenever today when I talk to people about, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? So many times it comes down to rules and regulations. You know, people will tell me, well, you know, it means to be a Christian means you're, you're going to be a, you know, a good person. You're going to do more good things than bad things. You're going to be, uh, you're going to follow after the Ten Commandments and all those things. You're going to be nice to others. And, and if you strive for those things to be characteristics of your life, those are good things to strive after. I'm not saying they're bad things. But if you're looking for those rules and regulations that you check off, to put you in good standing with God, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You know, to me, it's a shame that we, that we break down Christianity to being a faith that's all about rules and regulations. And here's what I find really neat. Did you know that Jesus came to give us freedom from rules 
and regulations. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, let me read you a scripture, Galatians 2.16. It says, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Now, what, what does that mean? It means that whenever we stand before God after we die, God's not going to have a conversation with us and say, you know, Eric, I've been looking at you, and I noticed that, that you've done more good things than bad things. Congratulations. Everything's going to be fine between us. Because you've observed the law. Is that the way God's going to operate? Absolutely not. The Bible tells me this. In Romans 3, it tells us that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All of us have. And you might say, well, I haven't sinned as much as that guy over there. Well, James 2.10 helps us out on that. In the book of James, it tells us that if we break simply one of God's commands, then we are guilty of breaking them all. Now, that doesn't seem fair. But you know what? It's, it's the way we still operate today. Our laws operate the same way. You know, I know that, let's see, it's 11, 12, 11, 15 right now. Some of you are probably already thinking about lunch. And I'm sure that, you know, maybe, uh, maybe your wives or your mom or something's cooked an incredible meal for you. Now, let's say after church is over, you're in a hurry, you get in your car, and you speed home. As you're on your way home, um, one, the, one of the police pulls in behind you, maybe, maybe Walt will. And uh, Walt's our bass player. He's a policeman, so you all watch out for Walt. So you're on the way over. Walt pulls you over because you've been speeding. Now, if he pulls you over because you've been speeding, and he comes up to your car, and you roll down your window, and you say, uh, Mr. Officer, I just want you to know that um, when I was driving, did you notice that I did not run those last three stop signs? Did you all notice that? Now, do you think the policeman's going to say, man, you know, you're right. And because you've done more good things than bad things, you know, because you've, you've kept more laws than broken, you just go on. I'm not going to give you a ticket. Do you think that's going to work? I can tell you from firsthand experience, that does not work. You know, I, I, I'm like, man, come on. It's been years since I've had it. I've done more good things than bad things. They don't care. Now, why is that? Because they, they, you have broken a law. And they're going to hold you accountable to the law. The law was not given to us, and even the law that we receive in Scripture, it was not given to us in order to show mercy to us. It was given to us in order to let us know how we are to live, how we're to spend our lives. So you break the law, you pay for breaking the law. But here's the awesome thing about Jesus. The message of Jesus is that Jesus came in order to give you freedom from the penalty of the law. We all break God's law. We're all in trouble on our own. But Jesus said, I am coming in order to give you freedom from this law. To spare you from this law. Now, when Jesus came here, he didn't come here to give us more rules and regulations to follow. He came here to give us grace from the penalty of the law. So, so what does the message of Jesus bring to us? brings us freedom from racial, economic, and gender barriers. brings us freedom from rules and regulations. And it's the last thing that I want you to see today. The message of Jesus also brings us a new inheritance. 
a new inheritance. Now, in chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, it says, But when the time had fully come, God sent a son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights as sons, or of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Ah, the father. And so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Now, verse number 5 tells us why Jesus came here. Why did he come? He came here to redeem us. That word redeem means to set free by paying a price. Jesus came here to set us free by paying a price. Now, what was the price? He gave his life for us. Why did he have to set us free? He had to set us free, according to our verses, from the slavery of sin. Now, in the Roman Empire during this time, and that's who's in charge of the world during this time, slavery was a common theme. There were over 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Blew me away. 60 million slaves. So when you talked about buying and selling people, you could go to any major Roman city, and you could buy whoever you wanted. But here is an interesting thing about it. Once you bought a slave, there were some people who could not have children. And so if that slave grew up with them, what they would do is when that slave got older... They would give that slave freedom, and then they would adopt that slave into their family. And then they would leave an inheritance behind for that slave who is now a son to be able to take over his inheritance. That's what Jesus is telling us in our text today. saying, I came here to give you freedom from slavery, and I came here after I do that to make you my child. To bring you into my family that you might inherit the gift of God. The great inheritance of God. Now before you receive an inheritance, what is a, I guess sort of a typical, what is a, what is a, con, a condition before you receive an inheritance from somebody? What, what, what do you have to be? Anybody know? No, you don't know. Oh, I'm not telling you. Somebody's got to figure it out. You've got you to be related, right? You got to be related to him. Steve Jobs you know, died, died a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. A very wealthy man, brilliant man, but very wealthy, has a lot of money. Y'all, I will not inherit one penny from him. You know why? My last name is Estep and not Jobs. I'm not related to the guy. And because I'm not related to him, I don't inherit anything from him. God works the same way. God will leave behind an inheritance for those who are in his family. Now, you might say, what kind of inheritance do you get? You get a really big one. Uh, Galatians 2, 6 and 7 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show us his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, the Bible tells us that God's riches, they are incomparable. God has so much that he wants to give to his people. And there are things that we inherit right now when we come into God's family. You inherit God as your father. That's impressive. A God that you can talk to and share with and pray with. You inherit the Holy Spirit according to Scripture. What does the Holy Spirit do? He convicts us of sin. He lets us know when we're off, off the path that God wants us to be on. He guides us. We inherit eternal life. So that when we die, God says that he's prepared a place for his people to spend an eternity with him. Now, I look at those things and I think that is a great deal. 
But to receive that inheritance, I have to be in God's family. And how do I get into God's family? I simply come to him and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I I put myself before you and I ask that you will take my life, that I will belong to you. And I ask you to redeem me. That is what the Bible says. See, when we come, that, that, that is the message of Jesus. To bring us into his family. Now, I know there's a lot of cliques around. There's a lot of different groups that you can belong to. But with Jesus, it matters not how much you have, where you're from, what color you are. Jesus says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. He says we can be one in Christ Jesus. Jesus came here to remove the barriers that stand between man and God and even man and man. Jesus came here so that we will know that there is a place where the streets have no name. I'd like for us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. Mm-hmm.